so much information everywhere. It's what makes you guys different is because you guys have firsthand information on the stories or, or parts of them versus a lot of people who just looking up on Wikipedia to get like the cliff notes. So they, yeah. they know the information with no context. So that's why it would be different talking to you guys about that kind of stuff versus somebody who, you know, just need to know what's going on so they can understand what's happening in Iron Man 2 in the movie. And, and they're trying to switch out the whole alcohol thing with that power source is kind of making them sick. So they kind of switched the thing that was killing well, him in the movies. From what I understand, I think Marvel's intentionally doing that. This version of Iron Man is based mostly off the Ultimates. You know, most of the most of the stuff they do for the MCU is based off the Ultimates, mm -hmm. and I guess they don't really want kids to realize that their hero was, you know, was an alcoholic. Yeah, that's that's possible. So they they give you the party where he gets drunk, but it's in response to all the pressures that he's going through. Exactly. Instead of he gets drunk because he's an alcoholic, and that's a constant thing with him that he's fighting against. Yeah, so they act like he was addicted to the other thing. So they they kind of switch it up, and it's kind of Disney-fied, and, and it's and it's fine. Because one, it tells a story to a bigger audience, you know, and then also two, for those who already know the original story, it kind of don't make you have the same story again. It's, it's at least making it a little bit different because I don't, I don't mind the different stories. I know people got mad about uh, oh, civil, war. civil war, like people are mad about that. And, and I know it's different, told it's different, uh, way different, but I didn't mind that take on it because I already experienced the comic and it was fine. It, it was, you know. Yeah, I actually enjoyed that take on it one of the things and maybe you know this might be something to get into a little more but like when i talk with my son about the comics version of civil war one of my big things has always been since we were dealing with a situation where it's heroes on heroes mm -hmm. and tony and his crew have made the decision that we're going to take heroes who don't sign this paper and then go out and be heroes that we're going to stick them in the negative zone of all places. Mm. My question has always been, who's putting Katie Power in the negative zone? <laughs> and give it a, a, for like for people who wouldn't know, what, you have to give an insight on who that is. Yeah, oh, okay. Katie Power won the middle of the power pack, a bunch of little kids Right. who got their powers from some aliens and went out without their parents' knowledge and became heroes. They had a spaceship, they had alien friends, they fought drug dealers, mm. they saved the world a couple of times. Problem is, around that same time, I think Marvel was, they kept skipping their ages around. They would tell stories when they were still little kids, but then all of a sudden, Julie is a teenager and she's left the team and Alex is a young adult and he's out in space with the Fantastic Four with all the powers of the team because apparently he could do that. You said they had Alex in space with the Fantastic Four? Well, wait a minute. My question is if they did that, because I didn't read the story, isn't Alex Power about 15 years younger than Franklin? Technically, yes, younger than Franklin. <laughs> No, no, I bring it up because it brings it brings back what we were talking about in the other in the original podcast, Jason, about how Marvel just they can't get their continuity and their retcon straight. Right. You know, at least DC from every ten years it seems like DC will retcon their stuff to make everything age appropriate. But Marvel, they won't do that. I mean, and they're going to have a difficult time explaining to their readers that you had a Green Goblin who was around who was around 
essentially he was operating in the Kennedy administration. He's still around right now, you know, in, in, in the Biden administration, same age. Right, right. So those... They have to they have to find a way of answering you know answering things like that yeah i think they got them as they actually have them as younger kids again not like little little but they're still young mm -hmm. because now they're using them in the um the outlawed storylines now they've got they've got a mentor some grown-up that's operating with them so now they're allowed to operate because they're kids but they've got an adult working with them they sort of just skirted their whole thing during the Civil War storyline. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind now, these are kids who were operating during Uncanny X-Men that were around when when Claremont was writing it. So mm -hmm. you, when you mentioned the Civil War movie, um, I'm, I'm glad you had brought that up because it was a subtle change from the comic book that they did the movie. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was open to it. I still enjoyed watching Civil War, even though I'm, I'll still say that the book was a little better because the book was more inclusive with you know all the diff all different Marvel characters. Right. Where I guess for budgetary reasons, the movie couldn't you know it, it only involved like those like eight. Yeah. It was kind of like okay, well this is kind of like a cheap version of that one, but because of money you can't really do what you want to do. Even right. a cartoon the animation would have been better than, than than the live action, but they still got their point across and they, they still they made up for certain things with good action scenes you know to compensate for a story that wasn't as strong as the um you know as the book yeah. that works with me sometimes because dc has done things where it's like you know this isn't the same you know like the justice league stuff i haven't seen the new movie yet so you can't even ask me about that one yeah. but you know you for a person like me who who's watched the justice league go you know from when i was a kid seeing cyborg on it now that doesn't really ring too good for me yeah. Even even the X Men movie, which you know technically wasn't Marvel, you you introducing an X Men movie with Storm and Wolverine, and and, and you don't even have Colossus and a mixed breed of, of X Men who you just happen to throw inside there. That didn't exactly work for me. And I'm sitting there, I'm going with continuity. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So Civil War at least jived, and they did the best they could with, you know, what they had. So and and it came out okay. Yeah, that's true. For, for me, for me watching it, for me watching it, it came out okay. Not comic book okay, but you know, movie wise, okay. Yeah. So, Stephen, what were you saying about your about your son? You were saying that that you were explaining that to him. Oh, yeah. Well, because I was explaining to him, you know, for instance, um, the fact that they were taking heroes and you know throwing them into a jail in a negative zone, and I always certain parts that I wanted to see what they would do. For instance, when it comes to groups like uh, Power Pack and uh, the Runaways, you know, Captain America had a run-in with them at one point and you know, he kind of told them, you know, you all need to um, stop doing this kind of thing. But of course, most of their parents were gone, so it wasn't like they could take them back to their parents. But right. at the same time, they did have a little kid, uh, Molly, running with them. So he was concerned that you know, even though she's the most, the strongest anyway, of all of them, he was concerned about what might happen with them in battle. Same with uh, the Young Avengers. He was concerned before they were like officially linked with the Avengers, 
that they might get themselves hurt. So he told you, no, go back to your parents. You know, Cassie, I know Scott. I'm telling you, go back home to daddy, that kind of thing. Stop running around here before you all get hurt kind of thing. And I thought that that was an approach that, you know, he's got to remember, he could sort of get away with, hey, you all shouldn't be running around out here doing this. You might get hurt. You don't have anybody sort of looking out for you to help you out of things. Certain things happen that adults may have a better time dealing with than just you all being kids. You're going to have certain responses that might not be practical for the situation. Sort of like the things that started the Civil War, which was uh, the New Warriors, you know, mm-hmm. um, doing a reality TV show right. and just jumping into the front with Nitro, not realizing how dangerous things would be with a schoolhouse full of kids right nearby. Yeah. Yeah. That um, was a trip. That was a trip. Okay. I want to ask this. With what you're talking about with Civil War, considering the history of all these superheroes, I mean, was it worth putting that out there? Because, I mean, we've had sidekicks since the since the 50s no since the 40s yeah and so i mean it was kind of believable and not believable at the same time that all of a sudden in the 2000s you're going to go ahead and make a big issue about registering you know considering that we we, we all know the history of superheroes you know people bitten you know family members have been killed you know in some cases girlfriends stuffed in refrigerators and you know all, you know all, all, all that nonsense so having them expose their identity is is counterproductive and the whole thing with the sidekicks is like we're making a big issue now about these sidekicks but you know how old was bucky for uh, for captain america excellent question if they had left bucky the way he was then it kind of reads you know a little false for people to really be concerned about kids in combat but now that we know that you know Bucky was like, he wasn't, he's now no longer the kid's sidekick because we aged him up. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the movie, I think he was actually older than Steve. <laughs> was in the comics, I think they were roughly around the same age. Cause yeah, right. Bucky was the kid. And remember from uh, Justice League International, I think when uh, John asked General Glory, you know, why did you take a child into combat? Don't know if you remember that, I had slowed down reading Justice League by the time General Glory came by. An art issue um, slowed me down from that. They 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 got hokey with the art. I just like okay, I'm leaving this alone. Okay. But I remember yeah, the character General Glory because General Glory had taken a kid into combat, and basically you could say the same thing you know about Cap. You know, you had this kid, mm-hmm. you know, teenager, but still, although at the same time back then, you had. 15, 16 year olds lying about their age because they really wanted to serve the country. So it's a little different than say, in Batman's time where he takes a kid into combat. A a 12 year old. Yeah, a 12 year old. And it's like, you know, well, I've been where he's been, so I need to take him through sort of what I've been through to help him make his way in the world kind of thing and help him deal with what's been done to his parents so i'll give him a costume and i'll take him out to fight crime with me and people shoot at him because he's wearing bright primary colors right. I'm wearing black. <laughs> no pants well no real pants you distract the bullets and i'll and i'll get them from behind <laughs> i'll take them out from behind you you go out there and draw, their, draw their fire 
that explains Batman, but what about Arthur, Barry, Oliver, Diana? <laughs> what about the rest of them? They didn't have traumatic, um, they didn't have traumatic <laughs> like Bruce did. Okay, so you, you 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 can you can theoretically excuse Bruce putting on tights and having some twelve year old kid, which the police never ever ever went with. Um, the only time they ever mentioned child endangerment with Batman was when they did Dark Knight Returns, and um, um, that particular commissioner said add child endangerment to the charges with Batman. I'm like, you know what? They have a point there. Yeah, but that's the only thing. Well, finally, realize this man's been endangered children for decades. <laughs> but but that, but that's also Frank Miller, and that's his. That's how he sees things. So he 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 made a lot of but, things. But was he wrong though? No, I no, mean, no, we, no. He's bringing real consequences to fantasy. That's what he was doing. He brought he, the illusion of it because I never really did anything with Batman regarding that. I mean, Batman, of course, got away and then beat the hell out of Superman. Yes, and um, you know, all that stuff. He never he never faced any penalties for having a kid out there but yeah. all these years there, there's so many kid what young justice teen titans all these groups that are out there i mean they're kids young avengers so it goes what we were talking about in the other podcast jay you know people want reality with some of these storylines but do you really really want to have reality in it because civil war was kind of a reality check but do you really want to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> Well, sometimes stuff like that pulls you out of the fantasy and it depends on like, you can't have it both. You can't have, um, I don't know, it's almost kind of like dreaming with stipulations. It's like, how far are you going to dream if you really have parameters of what you can do? That That's real life then. If you're going to be stuck, like if you can't, if you can't fly in your dream because it's not logical or you can't do certain things, then that gives you regular life. And that's the point of dreaming and that's the point of fantasy. That's the point of all those kind of um, escapisms because they're outside of yourself and it's more, it's you, but more. And if you're going to be yeah. restrained, even in those situations, it's not, then you'll just be a regular guy. You'll be a cop or whatever. You'll just be a regular guy beating down people versus these, you know, heroic and, and, and unbelievable powered people doing these amazing things. So I guess you can have reality, but then if you have reality, then you don't really get the dream dream part of it either, though. Yeah. Or if you have some reality, but then you have to continue with it. For instance, mm -hmm. to go back to Civil War, in some regards, attempts to continue with it didn't stick. They, um, you know, speedball, he went to jail for what he did, uh, and a few other consequences. He eventually becomes penance and but eventually they sort of undid all that and now he's speedball again so it's almost like none of that happened well that's typical that's marvel that's typical marvel way i mean look at um house of m i mean i guess the whole purpose of house of m was to knock down the mutant population so that you know you have more workable numbers because you know in the old days you had an explanation for a person having superpowers I guess after like 1980, okay, we ran out. You, you can't have too many radioactive spiders, and you can't have, you know, you know, <laughs> all these other things. So that's he's a mutant. Well, we, there are probably like about a thousand mutants out there. So they got they used House of M to kind of like cut the numbers down. But then the consequences of that are you you don't have these interesting characters anymore. So of course they're back. Yeah. yeah. It's like the soap opera logic. Like they try to get rid of a person that everybody loves to get a lot of attention and a lot of viewership. 
But then also when they get rid of that character, they lose viewership because people love that character. So what do they do? They bring them back. They bring them back in bandages and have them walking around for a while. And you're trying to figure out who this mysterious person is. And they un undo the tape. And it's just like, Ted, you're back. We thought you were dead. And it could be a different actor even. But they just want that person's name back that people love. And it's just like, you kind of forgive it just because you, you want that person to be back. But they do that too. It's that that's that like I said, it's that soap opera kind of logic. So you just know nobody's really dead. Even if you see them die, they're not really necessarily dead. That that's me and Stephen's inside joke all the time. All the time, like nobody ever stays dead except Uncle Ben. Keep keep living. They'll probably bring him back. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I think he's probably going to be the only person that will probably not come back. Mm -hmm. I mean, they brought Gene Gray back a few times. Thankfully, mm -hmm. not in the East River. Um, they, they said that about Gwen Stacy, and they brought her. Well. They, well, they played with her timeline with Gwen Stacy. Yeah, they, she's from another she's from another dimension, so they they brought her back. Yeah. But the only one to not come back so far is Uncle Ben. Well, they're, they're probably gonna have a world where Uncle Ben is really the Green Goblin. Well, <laughs> They'll well, be no like that. Probably, a world where Uncle Ben was the Spider Man for that universe. Mm. Oh God. Um, yeah, and he was actually the one who sort of gave them. The knowledge they needed to defeat the inheritors because in his world his world was our radioactive wasteland and that was the uh, weakness the inheritors had was radiation he was operating out of a bunker he was one who let all the other spideys know this is how you deal with them you know it's through radiation john you was a lion Stefan does know all this stuff <laughs> I, I told you, he, I'm sitting there, I'm learning stuff from him. I'm, lear, I'm learning constantly from him. He, he knows he knows the storyline, he knows the logic, he knows the, the, the pros and cons of the storyline. And the good thing about him is, well, I'm going to say even the better thing about him is he does it in a rational way where he doesn't put his emotions right. with the story. I mean, in a very rare case, if they do something incredibly, you know, crass or stupid, will he show that? But he can give you the whole story straight. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's that journalism thing that we both have, but he's mastered of being able to just to give you the facts and then you pull your own opinion based on what the facts are. Yeah, but that was just funny because we're doing like like a, you know, what if joking scenario and he just kind of like, yeah, that really happened. <laughs> um, that's that's, that's yeah. dope, man. That's but, dope. <laughs> but you can think about it. That kind of like comes into play now of how people are doing a lot of the, a lot of the what if scenarios are now being real comic book realities like it, it like 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 the Zack snyder man of steel thing like it, it used to be what if you know superman killed zod no right. let's have him kill zod right stupid yeah. else world is reality now and it's Elseworld was good as Elseworld and what if was good for what if because yeah. you came up with an alternative of you know that that gut Superman needs to kill somebody okay creator does an Elseworld story so you can at least see what would happen you know yeah. if he does that path but leave mainstream lane on uh, mainstream right right but you had that what if moniker so you could not feel offended it's like okay you're not messing with my toy the wrong way okay so this is this is a copy of the toy so you kind of do what you want to with it and it won't mess up so my toy over here won't get broken up even though you strapping a you know a, a firework to this one so if this one gets all jacked up mine is still fine over here yeah okay then blow it up <laughs> well actually they they actually did that with him as well uh I don't remember what year it was, but they have what? to make references to when he um, killed the three um, 
Phantom Zone. Phantom Zone. He used the other yeah. album because it was his. He had from that made the vow that he would never do it again. Hmm. But the good thing about that story was it was it was done properly. Like, okay, that's one of the very rare occasions that you're going to show Superman kill. He did it for a reason because they told him point blank, "We're going to find you. May have depowered us. We're going to find a way to get into your dimension. We're going to kill everything that you love." So. Superman had shrinkage right off the bat there because he realized they weren't kidding. Mm -hmm. He sort of completely decimated an entire world, and he knew they would do the same thing with his. So that's reasoning. But yeah. they did the he same thing for Zack Snyder. Still said, wait, "I'm never going to stop." Zod was like, "I'm never going to stop." Jay, it's a difference though. Here's the one big difference. I gave you part A. He had probability. He had cause. But what Zack Snyder and those idiots at DC didn't do was the second part. After Clark killed the three Phantom Zone villains, he had a, he almost he had a meltdown, a psychological meltdown. They dealt with the ramifications of his actions. The movie never came close to doing that. He killed he killed Zod, and he just picked up Lois Lane, faceless Lois Lane. There's no relationship between the two of them at all, whatever. And it's this is as usual. Um, what are the ramifications of his act? Where's the code that comes from? I will never kill. Superman does not kill. That's what they could have. They could have used that incident to strengthen the character. No, they just did it. You know, to give to give a whole bunch of millennials a hard on that thing that Superman probably killed somebody. That was that was weak. That was complete. And and once again, I, and I'll still go over this particular point. As the writer, as the director, you have the power of the pen. So when it came down to that fateful scene where, yeah, I'll kill Lois, I'll kill everybody, you know what? You could have you could have this go any way you want to. You could have you could have Superman blow ice in his eyes, and you could do whatever you want. You didn't have to choose. I'm going to break Zod's neck. I'm going to break a Kryptonian's neck. That's where they they bungled it not only with the act but the follow up to the act. What what what, what um, Steph was talking about? I have that issue. That was a really, it was weird at first looking at him exposing fellow Kryptonians to green kryptonite. That was bizarre. But like for about a year or two afterwards, he he, he exiled himself from Earth because of that. He had nightmares and exiled himself from Earth. They really dealt with the psychological ramifications of, of his actions. That's what made the Zack Snyder movie a failure with Man of Steel. In a lot of ways, they sort of did the same thing when Wonder Woman killed Max Lord. Right. You saw the friendships fall apart. You saw how she was being roundly condemned by a lot of people as saying, you know, Lois understood why she did it. Clark did not. He was like, no, she could have found another way. Like, no, he said he would use you to keep killing. He told her under the threat of her lasso what she needed to do to stop him. He told her the truth. She's a warrior. She did it. But again, they showed a ramification. They used the right character. They used the right character for that. You you have to you have to think those things out. And I understand being that it's cinema, you don't have the time that a comic book would to you know unfold these events and go through issues of dealing with this. So you think about it and you come up with the best alternative. How do you get this story over with, and you keep and you don't compromise the character? That means you write a better finish than that. Yeah. There's other you, you could have done a whole bunch heat vision to the eyes. You there's a whole mess of things you could have you could have instituted the um, Phantom Zone a lot earlier than you 
so much they could have done and you chose you chose the cheap way out well snyder and them chose the cheap way out just, um, and Jay, trust me, if they had done that, if they had exercised a different way out, mm-hmm. it probably, it probably wouldn't have gone down as a bad movie with the fans who hate, you know, what he did. Yeah. They would probably accept it more. But most of them, as soon as you say, "Oh, you killed them," you drop most of the Superman fans, especially the ones who are over forty. You yeah. completely eliminated them from 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 the base. The younger ones don't understand who and what Superman actually is, so fear the reason why they, you know, are cheering that. True, that's true. Um, I mean, you could have you could have introduced Kryptonite. I mean, this these are these are plot devices you could have used early on. Yeah, because because if the heroes were killing all the bad guys, there'd be no more bad guys left. So yeah, so no, so they did years of avoiding. You didn't you didn't have to use Kryptonite to necessarily kill. But somebody could have said, you know what? We found that this works on Kryptonians. And you could have brought that out and you could have weakened Zod to the point where Superman could have actually, you, you could have done anything to subdue him. I'm just showing, I'm just talking about alternatives to what they actually chose to go with. No, no, but I'm saying like in, in the past, they always found alternatives so they wouldn't kill off all their bad guys. Otherwise we would not have these characters like Joker have been gone a long time. Like all these, all these guys, all these gross galleries that all these characters have, if they were doing the logical thing and just kind of got rid of the problem, like the real world kind of deals with things, it had been done a long time ago. It, it, it but it utopia. goes back to it goes back to why DC has heroes and everybody else is a, is, a, is an anti-hero. Traditional heroes don't kill. Yeah. DC established that years ago. I mean, it may be the father knows best universe in comic books, but they established heroes do not kill. In Marvel, the only two people that are real heroes, like I told you. Yeah. Steve Rogers, Peter Parker, who refuse to kill. They will find every other way, even if you even if it means you killing them. That's what they do. Because they they have that fine, not even fine line, that solid line of who a hero is and what a hero does. DC established that years ago, and Marvel established it with two of their characters. Well, I know at least in the in the, in the movies they have Captain America killing. That's not his intentions necessarily. He, he's not. I don't know. The, Who did he kill? I'm assuming he's killing people that he's like throwing through walls and throwing, oh, he, 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 hitting with his shield and and he blew up tanks. Which, he blew up tanks and stuff. And he, he did a lot of killing, especially in the first Avengers, the, um, yeah. that first Captain America movie. He was tearing people up. And he's a soldier who was yeah. at war. Yeah, he just he's just a reluctant hero. He's about fighting for the he was almost like the big brother that everybody didn't have. So if nobody's looking out for you, that'll be him. He'd be your big brother looking out for you. And just don't be on the wrong side of it. But I hear what you're saying as far as his moral like he's not a kill. I wouldn't I wouldn't call him somebody who enjoyed killing, but but you know, I think you know, some people lost their lives along the way. <laughs> with dealing okay, with so I digress. I digress that the only person who actually follows superhero logic then mostly would be peter parker yeah but like i said i, I still feel like you know Ca- captain america to me would be close to how superman is as far as like the morals and stuff like that you know and it's not just because of the colors he's wearing but his 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 line but um but i don't know and, and also it's also a thing about how things are done you know it's not necessarily what you're doing but how you go about it or just like how you when you say something it's not necessarily what you're saying it's how you say it so you get more leeway and understanding depending on your intentions, I guess. Um, yeah, I think with Captain America, it's when he has killed, it's because he was a soldier in a combat situation. When he's 
fighting regular villains, even of the superpower variety, it's not war. So he's not killing. He's fighting them. He's defeating them. But he's not actually at war with, I mean, even with a Baron Zemo, he's not at war with Baron Zemo. He's not going to kill him. That so his intentions, you're saying his intentions are not to go out and kill you when it's like when he's in his Captain America um, role. Exactly. I agree with that. I agree with that. That's why I put him and Spider-Man in the same category. That's fair. No, that's fair. I agree. With Wolverine, you know, you know what Wolverine's intentions are. Even though Tony Stark and Reed Richards won't go out with that intention, I mean, I still think they they still treat life a little bit less than you know than than how how Peter would. Yeah. And you see, these sea characters always seem to be, you know, you save life. But I think that's what made Kingdom Come a really good book. And Mark Wade eventually did it because he was saying, you know, the classic heroes followed Superman's example and they did not kill. The younger ones, you know, came up and they didn't really understand what a moral code was. And if the, the stop you meant ripping off limbs and killing you and maiming you, they would do that. Yeah. Right, I mean, right. but don't call them heroes, call them anti heroes. Right. Right. You know, they just. Different generations that they need to they need to define the roles a lot better, I think, than than what they're doing. Mm. But then again, like I talk to Clark all the time, like, you know, a lot of those hero characters are legacy characters. You know, so I, I try to like with what we're doing, I like to try and wonder who our heroes are and do we have any people who kind of are legacy people? Right. The legacy people meaning that those who have a code that you're always going to look up to and say, yeah. Like, did you ever watch The Wire, Jay? No, no. But I heard it's a great. I heard great things about it. I just never got into it. But everybody I like is in that was in that show at one time or another. No, there were a couple of characters in there who like like legacy. Like you knew they had a code, and once you see the character, it's kind of like like Archie Bunker from the old um, All in the Family. You know what that person's about. You know, just just seeing, just hearing the name, you just, you know what that person's about. Right. That's true. I'm trying to make sure that when we write our stuff that we have characters who are established just like that, that you know who they are. They're, they're legendary just by you, you hearing their name. Yeah. Oh, so-and-so. Oh, man, this is what they're about. So, Stefan, do you do you you watch the... Um, I'm assuming that you watch all the like the superhero movies and stuff. Yeah. So what do you think of the, the interpretations that they're having? Because a lot of times they, they're using even though they're loosely using a lot of times um, stories that was already established in comics and stuff, how do you feel about their interpretations in these movies and, and how they're kind of doing them? Well, in a lot of ways, I appreciate the fact that they're working, and I won't say that this goes back so much to money, but in a lot of ways, it go back, goes back to the rights. Uh, so we'll say with Marvel, not having the rights to a lot of their characters means that when they've done different things, like say yeah, the first Avengers movie, and the Chitauri are invading New York. In a comic book setting, if an alien race is invading New York City, every Marvel hero who resides in or around New York City will be involved in that story. Right, true. Because they didn't have the rights to say the Fantastic Four, to Spider-Man, etc. cetera. So you're not gonna have those characters in it. You won't have Spidey you know, joining in the fight to stop Chitauri. If this were the comics, he would have been there. Mm -hmm. uh, the Fantastic Four, you know, the Baxter Building is in Manhattan. They would have been there, that kind of thing. Daredevil uh, would have been there. 
Yeah, Daredevil would have been there. Uh, the Punisher would have been there on the street level, you know, gunning down some of the aliens, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of others. Even, I would say, uh, some of the X-Men, since they're just upstate in Westchester, would have been there because it's close enough. That right. Cyclops, a lot of them would have been there. Yeah, Midtown Manhattan, you know. Now, uh, a group that resides out on, say, the West Coast, like, say, the champions of the time, they wouldn't have been there because that's California. They're not going to necessarily fly to New York to fight an invasion unless an invasion takes a really long time to resolve and they have time to get there, that kind of thing. Right. So I appreciate the storytelling based on the factors at hand, you know, not having the rights to certain characters or not having the established background. Um, when they start doing the MCU movies, they start doing the Avengers movies, I always wanted to see them do, say, the Kree Scroll War, mm -hmm. which they still haven't done, but they gave us a taste of what the Kree and Scroll were going through a little bit in the Captain Marvel movie. We at least right. got a little background with Kree and, Kree and Scrolls. So while they're never going to give us the Kree Scroll War, right. Maybe they will because they hear me saying it. I don't know. Um, I appreciate what they were able to do with um, the storylines based on you know all of that. The Easter eggs that Marvel does with every movie that they put out. I mean, it's kind of like they utilize the whole movie. They utilize everything, not just a small piece of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Clark, I I'll ask you this. Based on what you said, what's the difference between what Marvel did with... Um, with the first Avengers movie and what DC did with Man of Steel. The same, because remember now, Kryptonians have invaded Metropolis. They're destroying and completely obliterating everything in their path right there. How many DC characters live in the New York area? And they and DC owned their characters. Where were they? Yeah, well, you know, Batman was running through the streets trying to get to the action. Other than that, nothing. Right. Yeah, Bruce Wayne is going through the streets trying to get, you know, trying to get to the action. He never he never donned the costume, but all of a sudden, miraculously, he wants to kill Superman <laughs> for doing what he did, what he could. Oh my God, you just I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again, but you you, you maybe you maybe considered a rabbit hole when you said Marvel and what they had at their access and how they utilized what they did use and how they used it properly. And DC dropped that ball again. Definitely a difference. So, Stefan, for the most part, did you do you like the movies, or you don't have any problem with it, or did you do you wish that they were more like the comics, or you're fine with them being different? Well, it's funny because it's both. I've been I've enjoyed them for what they were as being a little different from the comics, but at the same time, I wish there were more elements from some of the comics that they could have thrown in to some of the movies, but that's just because I'm so familiar with the stuff in the comics and I try to remind myself, okay, I know that the movie's gonna be different than, you know, the books. So I'm not gonna be one of those people that says, oh, well, if it's not like Watchmen where they practically went scene for scene from the book, then I'm not gonna watch it kind of thing. Cause some people do that. And I don't wanna be one of those people who says, well, if it's not exactly the same as it was in the comics, I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to take it for what it is. Yeah, I had to talk myself off that ledge too a long time ago. Because in the beginning, I was kind of like not fairly 
um, assessing them. Like I was just kind of like, I just kind of knew what it, what I wanted from it. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is a whole different thing and they can't be the same for a whole, a whole slew of reasons. But it does take you a minute to be like, okay, let me in, sit as, at a place of enjoyment versus a place of being critical of it when it can't be the same thing. It can't be, it can't be. Even a cartoon can not be the same as a comic. And the comic can yeah. be the same as the cartoon. The cartoon can be the same as the movie. But you kind of hope there's enough in there that you can um, connect to or familiar enough to make you follow them in this new journey and in a new medium. This is Jay, and I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. I just want to let you know that this conversation is part of a larger conversation that continues on the next episode. Thanks for listening.